0: Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing
1: communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success.
2: Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We broadcast this um, live at 8.30 AM Pacific Standard Time, which you can watch on the WP Tonic Facebook page. What can I say to you, beloved listeners and viewers? We've got a very touchy WordPress panel already. They've put me in my place already. Um, I think they're fired up. They've got me fired up. So I think it's going to be a good show. So starting from Sally. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers?
3: Let's see, who am I? Um, I? My name is Sally Getch. I am the WP fangirl and the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. <laughs> and uh, the person with the pestery cat. See what you've been missing,
2: Spencer. See what you've been missing. So we got Spencer Forum in the house. Would you it like? A long, it
0: was a long summer and a good summer, but it's almost over. I'm Spencer Farman from WP Launchify help people who need to get their
4: WordPress membership sites sorted out.
2: There you go. And we got Chris from Lifter LMS. Would you like to introduce yourself, Chris?
4: Thanks, Jonathan. I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, and I help WordPress freelancers and agency owners when they're focusing on the LMS online course and membership site niche. I have a product called Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress LMS plugin.
2: Great. And we got the Viking in the house. Morton, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Hello.
5: <laughs> I'm Morton. I live in uh, Vancouver, Canada, uh,
2: and I have opinions. I'm sure you're going to share them. Uh, um, John, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers?
1: Yeah, I'm John Locke, and I help manufacturing and industrial companies with SEO.
2: Right, and before we go into the main stories of this week, um, I want to talk about one of my great sponsors, and that's Kinsta Hosting. What is Kinsta Hosting? Well, they only specialize in WordPress hosting, and if you're looking for quality, powerful hosting, they're the people to go to. If you've got a membership website, if you've got WooCommerce for clients or for yourself, Do yourself a favor and go over to Kinsta. They've got all the latest technology. They use Google Cloud as their backbone. What you get is superb 24-7 support from people that really know what they're talking about. No need. You're not going to be um, accelerated up to somebody in the end that does know what they're talking about. You talk to people that know what they're talking from the first ticket that you send them. But and also you get a fantastic UX design interface that's fully customized and really easy to use. You don't have to spend half an hour trying to work out how the interface works. If that sounds interesting, and it should be, go over to kinsa.com, have a look at their plans and sign up with them, and also do me a favor and Twitter them and tell them that you heard about them on WP Tonic. So, on to the first story. Niger Forms, parent company, Sat. Saturday drive requires, cardio WP. Um, what do you reckon of this one, Sally?
3: All right. Well, I, well, I don't know. I, I I was a little surprised by it, but um, perhaps I just don't pay enough attention in the uh, in the space. But Ninja Forms and and Caldera Forms are both fairly popular form plugins that have a, a freemium model. Uh, we did an assessment of form plugins in our meetup a few years back, and I. Caldera Forms offers probably the most features for, you know, in their free version. And they also had this uh, really nice kind of visual form builder. I think there's, you know, other form plugins have kind of caught up in that, but they were they were early uh, in there. Uh, and they have different kinds of freemium of, uh, models. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with these you know, are we going to to have the the like you know, uh, ninja Caldera combo, or are they going <clears> to <throat> focus some on different markets? Uh, I, I I noticed the the comment that says you know Caldera Forms is like you know the developers' uh, form plugin, and um, I don't know all the developers I know still use Gravity Forms because they have the the best uh, dev license deal.
2: Well, if your father in, yeah. So, um, what do you reckon, Uncle Spencer? Well,
0: this is like a repeating theme to me. It's not a big story in any way, but it's just representative. We're going to see a lot more of these consolidation stories because there are now uh, 972 different ways that you can add a form to a website, not the least of which is through your your page builder, through your theme, through Gravity Forms, through Ninja, through this, through that, through other, da da, 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 da and who needs it? So at the end of the day, it makes sense that if you're one of the smaller players, team up with the other small players and try to make some go of it. But uh, despite the numbers in the past, I just don't see any real reason why uh, Caldera needed to exist. Um, Ninja is an interesting comparable to Gravity because I will say that Gravity is essentially the only solution that anyone needs. However, it's getting competition from natively, inside of the page builder that's the way I see it which is like why do I even need gravity anymore and the only reason that gravity keeps existing is because it's like um like like one of those tools or gadgets you have you only need it once a year but when you need it you need it you know like the little thing you put through a needle to if you don't have good eyes to pull the thread through after that all the basic stuff is just built in so I think this is a a trend
2: well, I think it was the and movement. I think you're partially right. I think it's the um, page builders for the non-developer or the semi-non, you know, the full-time developer and the, you know, in-house or, or the um, part-time developer, whatever you want to classify them, a power user. So a lot of that crowd got into Gravity Forms. So they got the grandfather license so they stick, and um, the hopper, you know, the non-technical crowds, they're, they're fulfilled by the page builders. So what but reckon- It depends a
3: whole lot on what kind of a form you need. If you need a simple contact form, yeah, yeah that, that's getting to be something where you you don't necessarily need a separate form plugin. but the, the... It's the thing it
0: does. It's the transaction behind it. Because right now, for example, and I just ran a video this week on this topic. If you just use any of the page builder's forms... The front-end part is now beautiful, right out of the box. It's what it does on the back-end. For most beginners, like you say, it's just, oh, I want to take a first-name, last-name email and send it somewhere or add it to a CRM or use it locally. But if you want to do something really magical, that's when you now have to compete with the features, let's say Gravity Forms versus ACF versus maybe what Ninja does. And it really becomes less and less appealing to use multiple Things because once you learn the tricks, you just want to rinse and repeat again. So I think that's where you know the difference of what has come to this point versus what will happen in the future will have a lot to do with how much functionality the page builders put in. Because all the new users from eighty twenty kind of purposes, they'll get everything they need right from Elementor or Divi or whatever, and
3: so, it. Just, just depends when they come. God forbid out. you get anything at all from Divi. Um, all, right, all
2: right, on to Chris. What do you reckon, Chris? uh there's a couple really cool business lessons in
4: here. one, we're talking about gravity forms there's this concept called the first mover advantage a lot of and people don't once they really get into a form in my experience, a tool they don't really switch that often like I started using gravity forms i don't know ten years ago, and I still have the license and been paying uh so like there's once people commit they're they're probably pretty committed so there's always an opportunity for uh when you do, if you're in a market like that where people don't switch easily, like I imagine people don't really switch easily once they become a beaver builder person or an elementor person, they kind of commit. The other thing is...
2: Well, um, I, I actually use both, actually.
4: I know some people do. Some people do, but I think you're the exception to the rule. Um, the other thing is oh,
2: that... You're not the only one that said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: The other thing is that um they have two options. They could, like, create a migration plugin, migrate all users into Ninja, and just do it as a user acquisition play. But it sounds like they're going to uh, keep the brand separate and just really double down on developing a customer avatar that is different for each product. Because forms are ubiquitous on all websites, there is a big opportunity for really niching focus instead of having a Me Too option. So if Kaldara is going to be for... Um, uh, developers and Ninja's going to be more regular user focused. That's a that's a you can just start <laughs> going down that that path. The other thing is, um, I think we're just going to see more mature maturing in the WordPress ecosystem where there's more companies like Sandhill Development, Awesome uh, like Ninja Forms, Forms, Saturday Drive, and now they, they have other products under that banner. So you're, we're just going to be seeing more of that, and um. I know both the teams that those products and they're all good people. And really at the end of the day, what I see here is just good people working together and, you know, there's strength in numbers when you, you come together and, and put good people and good product together.
2: Right. What do you reckon,
5: Walton? Yeah. What everyone else has said is true. This is the consolidation of everything. It's the same thing that's been happening for a long time. <clears throat> It'll result in less competition, which is exactly what consolidation means. Uh, the monopolization of any kind of free market is always the end goal of any kind of free market. Eventually, you end up with no competition. One single product that just is not that great and tries to solve everything for everyone. Uh, if you go to Toys R Us, no, you can't because you're in the United States. If you go to any kind of toy selling store in the United States, like... Um, like uh,
3: uh, Yeah, keep thinking bargain, I'm not sure there are any less.
5: Or, or um, Walmart or something like that. You'll see that they have a large a large toy section, but the actual variance and availability of toys in that section is smaller than a tiny little shop in Germany because market consolidation and monopolization leads to products that are just streamlined for the masses. Competition goes away. Everything just becomes the same and you get this uh, homogenized, weird, like uh, corporate... Absurdia where no one gets what they want. So, I actually want to see more com- competition in these markets, not more consolidation. But at the same time, I totally understand why people want to sell because when you, when a company starts throwing enough money at you, it's very hard to say no. So,
2: well, I, I congratulations I,
5: to Caldera for, for you I know, I getting a competitive product out of this. Unfortunately, it leads to less competition in the market. So, Whatever.
2: Well, I don't exactly agree with you there because I, I think there's a lot... I'm a I, I think, I think, I, think <laughs> I think there's a lot of... I think there's a lot of competition uh, um, in the form plug-in market. I, I just think... I think the reading the article, and I actually did read the article, uh, um, he, said, he said that they were treating it like a part-time endeavour and it got so far, but they knew that, you know, they needed to, you know, really focus on the product. I think, uh, I don't think that was total spin because I know the two. Oh,
5: no, I, I'm i not saying that there's anything wrong with us selling. I'm saying this is part of a larger trend in the WordPress community that, um, and it's a... It's, and everywhere it's else. a larger trend. Of the, yeah, exactly. This is something that happens in I just don't every see I just don't commercialized see space I, I, that look. we end up with consolidation. And it's like, it can be a good thing, but it can also lead to exactly that because the next step for any company that starts acquiring their competition is to squeeze out the ones they can't um, acquire, right? So we'll end up with like an arms race between um, Gravity Forms and Ninja Forms. That, that's what this, the end result of everything that's been happening in the community for a very long time is we'll end up with two behemoths. It'll be Gravity Forms and Ninja Forms. And whichever one of those gets bought by one of the really big players like yeah, WP... Engine or Google or something like that will end up just taking basically all the developer market share. So,
2: I don't know. All right. But, you know, I think there's about three to four other considerable players in that market.
3: And and there is always the possibility of disruption. But I I think Morton is right. We do see this happening as as sectors mature. And, uh, you know, it is uh, something that... It's a case where what's good for your individual company is not necessarily uh, going to be good for the market. Um Radio. what do you reckon, John? You're muted. Yeah, I, I,
1: think this, uh, I think this deal was actually in place um from what it seems for a little while or it it probably was gonna go that way and that's why um Christy uh I I'm gonna say her name her last name wrong so but that is is why she's at liquid web now um it's unfortunate that um she did not come along in this acquisition josh came along um, some other uh, developers joined the team at ninja forms i think it what everybody said is right it is consolidation um the smaller players um are getting you know acquired or um, shuttering, so at least this is a graceful exit, and they're part of a larger team. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the bigger fish eat the, the smaller fish. That's right. the
2: way it goes. Right, on to the next story. Update sanctions and open source. Would you like to introduce this article to us, Moulton?
5: Yeah, so <clears throat> if you've been paying close attention Uh, in U.S. politics over the past couple of years, you will know that the current administration of the United States has some very strong opinions about how to handle what they consider enemies. Um, And one of the things that happened was last year, so 2018, uh, the current administration passed a ruling that said that um, you couldn't have any trade relations with with countries that they deemed to be on the, I don't know, whatever... Bad list of the world or something like that. I forget the exact name of it, but it's basically like the states of evil. Yeah, states states that support terrorism in some sort of very...
2: So they're random. on the they're on the naughty list. Mm-hmm. Are they? So so the list
5: is Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Syria, and the Crimea region of the Ukraine. Which is very vague.
2: It's not. It's not a great list of order, is it?
5: No, it's not. So, but this rule is that um, no American company can have any dealings with anyone in those countries or originating from those countries. And this has a direct impact on a lot of open source projects because services like Slack and GitHub have blocked access to the services for people who are from those countries or people who live in these countries. So right now, all of WordPress's ongoing communication happens on Slack. That means that anyone who is either from or living in Crimea, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, or Syria cannot be part of the WordPress Slack anymore. Um, This week, GitHub started closing or blocking the accounts of anyone from these regions as well. So that means anyone from these same regions cannot do anything except look at GitHub. They cannot take part in conversations on GitHub. They can't have their own repositories on GitHub. They can't send pull requests or uh, add issues or anything else, which is actually a serious problem for open source because the fact that you live in a country that has problematic politics does not by default mean that you are developing nuclear weapons, which is what this is all about. They're basically saying you can't, you can't have any kind of account or anything on a service that you may be able to develop a nuclear weapon on. So what's happened is a ton of repos that exist on GitHub have been permanently blocked because they're they're run by people from one of these countries. A ton of users have been permanently blocked from these services. And there's now an unknown number of WordPress contributors and WordPress users who are no longer able to take part in conversations around WordPress. Which brings up a really important question, which is, the reason why this is happening is because WordPress has chosen to use these commercial services that are based in the United States to host some of their project. And now those commercial services, because they're in the United States, are being forced to lock users out, which goes against the principle of WordPress being an open source community. So now we, as the WordPress community, need to make some decisions about where we want our conversations to take place and how we ensure that the unilateral actions of a single country, which are very unbalanced, impact our open source community. That's the crux of the story.
2: Right, Dio. Anybody else want to
3: comment on it? Well, I think this is another example of the fact that sanctions almost always hurt the um, Usually already oppressed people who live in in the countries they're applied against much more than than they hurt uh the the governments and the people in power that that we're trying to put pressure on and um you know it's probably still better than invading and bombing them but it, it, it's not uh you know it's it's unfortunate that the 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 people who get damaged are are often the you know the, the ones who are innocent and um yeah, it does. Uh, it it does highlight this issue of like, well, what happens to you when, um, uh, 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 when you don't own uh, a a platform that you rely on, and you know, part of the point of you know self hosted WordPress is uh, ownership.
2: <clears throat> yeah, my biggest disappointment is the French are on this list. <laughs> what do you reckon, Chris?
4: Um, Jason, I was talking to Jason Cohen a while ago from WP Engine, and he said something about how people don't really realize how big the internet is. And, you know, he was talking about a little bit about the strategy of WP Engine or something like that. But um, I think a lot of us have a really selfish approach to the internet. We go there to be entertained, to get information, to build a business, whatever, all this stuff but i just think what this article highlights and what morton is saying as well speaks to is that having a just spending some conscious energy to thinking about the power of the internet and what distributed really means what open source really means and just look at this problem i mean i don't have a solution right now on the top of my head but the reality is if you help people uh you know for example have jobs like contribute to wordpress or Um, you know, build software companies or participate, become freelancers, whatever, you're actually kind of democratizing, you're giving, you're empowering the people in that country. So you're, you're, you're kind of having the inverse effect of what the goal is. And I understand the, the right of a nation also to figure out what it needs to do to cut off the flow of potential resources that could be used to hurt them. But, uh, I don't, this, is a, this is an interesting problem that I would encourage a lot of people to just spend time thinking about.
2: Right. Let's go on to story three. Um, WP Engine requires StudioPress a year later. What did you think of this article, Sally?
3: All right. Well, I put this one uh, in there because partly I was like, holy heck, it's been a year already. Um, but, uh, you know, I am involved with the uh, Genesis community and I've seen, you know, what's been happening since this. Uh, acquisition and uh, you know it's it 's been good uh, uh, there 's been a lot of effort put into the development of Genesis and um, switching the way that that it uh, works and the way the themes work over from these widget based home pages, which were like you know they made sense in two thousand and eleven they were really um, past their prime uh, by now and and moving that <coughs> over to gutenberg and Uh, opening up the repo and putting a lot of making a lot of stuff available to more people. So I, you know, I think it's been good and it would appear from uh, the uh, post that Brian Gardner uh, wrote that, you know, he thinks it's, it's been good. And this is, you know, one of those, we're back to the consolidation topic of, of course, but this is one of those issues where it's not uh, a competitor, acquiring somebody, but, you know, sort of a, a super competitor that, that some, you know, and, and we've seen that there've been a lot of acquisitions by hosting companies to try to uh, differentiate themselves because, you know, hosting um, is not, you know, hosting is pretty much a commodity um, to try to differentiate themselves by having different kinds of uh, products in their portfolio.
2: I tell you, people say hosting's a commodity. It's only a commodity until you're dealing with a crappy hosting company.
3: <laughs> well, but that's why it's crappy, right? And it's treated as a as a commodity. I've
2: got a phone call. have got a phone call after this that I'm not looking forward to. i be it's gonna freaking take me an hour to get some freaking sense out there. Uh, um Spencer, what did you what you mm. reckon? Uh I have a couple of unique
0: takeaways from this that I don't want to sound critical because they're not, but they're surprising to me personally. Maybe you guys can relate to this. First of all, I remember fondly the days of early WordPress when there was, I think Chris, personally, I think Chris Pearson was responsible for it, but like function-based themes versus everybody else. And then Brian with genesis probably took it and ran and made it into what it was but there was always that line are you the type of person who wants to work with functions or do you want to work with like a WYSIWYG interface now we're so far beyond that with page builders it was sort of like somebody reminding me of a girl I dated in high school I'm like oh Jesus people still use genesis but then when I realized what they're working on it sort of makes sense because we all know that, you know, the folks at WP Engine are smart and realize that managed hosting really isn't what it was before as far as what it means. It means one-stop shop. And in order to expand their business, just like GoDaddy is doing, they're trying to acquire everybody related, including well, Studio.
3: Remember, WP Engine has become a digital experience
0: platform. But when you go to the page now for StudioPress, it all comes together. <laughs> Three elements make sense to me. It's why does somebody need this all-in-one experience? Well, if you're a freelancer and I'll you start clients. I'll
2: give them experience yeah. of If you have a
0: if you're a freelancer and you have a client, you will be attracted to this package. Why? Because it allows you to still be the, the priest of the temple, where the person will have no access to what you made for them because you're still doing it through functions. However, they are focusing on using Gutenberg blocks, which would give you just enough leverage to your client to go, look, you can play with the WYSIWYG toys. But what you're really getting is a one-stop shop where somebody will support the hosting problem, the how does this all work problem, a big community of existing users. But you are essentially choosing to drive on that side of the road. And that's what I see this all coming to, which is it's another example of how people will just pick Go to one place that has everything you need in the flavor that you want with the people that you want. And if you have clients, they will give you the things you need in order to at least have value to people who will come to you to do it for them. Because I don't know of any mere mortal that would choose to use Genesis if they're not a WordPressy person over, let's say, Divi or Elementor because it just doesn't make sense. But if you've come from that world, I see why you would absolutely want to use that. Because now you can go to people. Look, it's very hard to do this stuff, and I can do it for you. And the people on the receiving end don't know any better.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. What do you reckon, Chris?
4: I think one of the most interesting parts of the article was they talked about the most annoying problem on the internet, which is they've couched that with a one-click theme setup. So basically, if uh, you you install WordPress or you install a theme or you install a plugin, and you're starting with the blank page, there's so much opportunity to improve all that. If we look at a theme company like Astra, they created Astra sites. So they worked on that problem. Astra is now very successful. Um, that that issue, if I could give a piece of advice to anybody building WordPress plugins or WordPress themes about reducing friction between the install and the end result that people at what they actually bought and their goals, that's that's where all the value is. So focus on that. Um. And, yeah, that's that's all I've got to say.
2: Yeah, I think also Breezy, I'm uh, doing some really interesting stuff. I'm going to be interviewing the uh, fa- the founder of Breezy in the next couple of weeks. That should be an interesting interview because I, I think they've got a, f- a really interesting product as well. Moulton, what do you reckon?
5: So there was a couple of paragraphs that really stood out to me in this article, which is, one of the most special things we did to fulfill our goal of being the most open community in WordPress was to form the Genesis Shaper, Shapers last, late last year. The Genesis Shapers are a representative group of Genesis community and product leaders from around the world who meet every month to discuss the future of Genesis. In addition to the Shapers providing another channel of community feedback, each month we post a recap of what was discussed in the Shapers meeting so everyone else in the community can see what was discussed and get a chance to voice their own opinions. So this is a good move from uh, Genesis end to say that we, the people who build the tool, might not know what is the best path forward for the tool all the time because we're way too inside the tools, we need to use the people who actually use it to get some feedback. Um, And it shows that in the WordPress community at large, there's a widening understanding of this need for more user feedback, for more user-directed development, and for better governance. And this is a good example of a step in that direction. That was my takeaway from this article.
2: Yeah, that was a great point. Thank you, Moulton. What do you reckon, John?
1: Yeah, I think pretty much everybody summed it up. You know, um, they had to do something because traditional themes um, without a page builder or without Gutenberg integration, it's, it's dying days uh, for that. that. That's kind of the way forward and that's kind of the way that the, uh, the WordPress project is going is to, to compete with more of the WYSIWYG stuff. I do think that there is a place for writing functions um but i think you know part of part of the sales of genesis was the fact that that kind of market had probably hit its peak so i yeah. think it's a good move them joining with wp engine so still right, yeah. a year later so
2: well thanks john so um, we're gonna go for a break folks we've got some other good stories in the second half we'll be back in a few moments
1: They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com.
4: Just like the podcast.
2: We're coming back. We've had a bit of a chat. It's kind of the last month of the summer. The panel, the panel will been a bit better to me, but there we go. I'm sure in, in this section, they'll be back to their normal selves. So, on to the next story. There's an underground comedy selling links from the New York Times, BBC, CNN. What do you reckon about this one, John? What did you think of the dark web?
1: Yeah, this isn't really the dark web, but, I mean, this this is a business. This doesn't just happen. This, this does not just happen with the New York Times or the BBC or Forbes or anything like that. This happens like all the way down to local bloggers. This is how a lot of people get links. And, you know, it, it, the Google guidelines say don't buy links or whatever. But Well, first of all, explain, yeah. explain, explain the, what, okay. it, what the story is. Oh, explain what this is. Yeah, that's probably a good place to start. So um, SEO, basically, for, for people to rank in Google... There's, there's a couple of factors that are in play. You know, content on the page. Just a few. <clears throat> yeah, there, there's, there's a lot. But basically, the main ones that hold more the most weight is the actual content of the page, how people interact with the page, um, and different websites that, that backlink to you. And more often than not, if your content is awesome and and the design of your site and the UX is awesome... Uh, it, what it's going to come down to is how many sites are linking to you, especially in your category. So what this article is about is about people um, they talk to to different authors that they write for these different publications and in fact, a lot of the links on Forbes and Entrepreneur.com dot uh, and these different places are no followed link links, meaning they don't pass. Um, what's known as a Page Rank or adaptive Page Rank or link juice, they don't pass that that voting power of of hyperlinks uh, linking to other sites because they know that people are selling these on the side because they have uh, become authors for that site and basically they they have a side business of selling hyperlinks to other people's sites to help boost their SEO. But yeah, definitely this goes on. Of course it goes on. Um, But, you know, it it goes on at all levels of SEO. There's a lot of people that, that, you know, do local SEO doing the same thing. They'll approach local bloggers and they'll say, like, can you give me a link on this, uh, you know, post from, you know, three years ago? And, you know, Google sees that and that's a, that link is like a vote for the site that's getting linked to i mean that's the whole thing with private blog networks which is like a whole another discussion oh, article farms and all this link selling is a big business so you know but it, it, the, the whole point is they're getting links from sites that are have a high level of trust with google they're sites that uh have a, a good reputation and yeah, that's what gives me. But, yeah. the,
2: but the brutal fact is, if you uh, because you know, um, there's a few in Northern Nevada, there's one particular PR company um, that's got strong links to a national publication, and she kind of sold it. Um, the um, principal of, of the PR agency, you know, she kind of touted it, and, it, and our activity saw it work. You know, she got a, a piece that they wrote into this national publication. Um, three days later, there was 25,000 people going to that particular website. You, you know, it does work, doesn't it, John? I mean,
1: I think, oh, you know, of course it works. I think the, the biggest difference, I mean, you see it like happen in in our own community. I think the, the biggest difference is, is you want to um, build links not only through the quality and the... Um, of your content. I, I'm searching for the word here, but basically earning it through that. But the the other way that people do it is through their relationships with people over time. You know, a lot of SEOs and a lot of people on the web marketers in general and consider everybody here like a marketer. You know, you are friends with different people and that's how you're going to get links over time, more so than just you know, uh, reaching out to people in random people that email you saying, I can blog for you. Here's all the sites that are yeah, there's
3: accessed. plenty of people who are trying to get you to link to their sites with you know for free. So um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah.
1: So what do you reckon the uh, I mean Sally? I get those emails all the time. And, you know,
3: yeah, I, I do. I, I think I think probably everyone does, like irrespective of, of whether the what they write is even remotely influential or or high ranking. they just blast this stuff out and uh but yeah, I mean developing relationships is is kind of how the world works that that's what we're like as a species um <clears throat> and but you know people want shortcuts, and people have been trying to game s e o for a very you know as long as s e o has been a thing
2: yep, what do you reckon about, it, Spencer, whoever you nodded off i I think this is funny for two reasons: one <clears throat> it's funny. <laughs>
0: The journalism of BuzzFeed.news has apparently gone down when they're like making no, oh, this. It's, no, it's the same. Kind of like, this, oh. this is an article in 2019? Like, oh my God. Yeah, like I this is news? It's, it's true. You know, I don't know if you knew this, but I have this new type of uh, phone that replaced my trio. It's called an iPhone. It's all brand new, you know. Oh, uh, that already
2: existed.
0: The second thing that's really interesting to me is like, if you have backlinks and the world has six and a half billion plus people and you don't keep paying for your old domain. Are you really surprised that there's dudes just like looking for traffic sites that they'll buy the domains for 50 cents on the dollar and then repoint it? Is this really surprising as a mechanical thing? Cause like, that's what recycle people do who go collect plastic bottles and tin cans. There's a whole economy of people who are just making their living from cleaning up cur- garbage, which is good for society. If you don't want to keep paying for, you know, too bad about com. then don't be surprised when it ends up going to a porn site because that's what's going to
2: happen. But I know some real high, you know, agencies and they've and they, got, they, got a, a, they got a sub, a whole army of subcontractors in various places and you've got to throw some real money. But that's the contradiction of Google. If you've got the money, you can... You can get your site ranked pretty quick. It just depends. It just depends if um, if you really got on Google's radar. And that normally happens because your competitors start start sensing you're doing something, and they inform on you. Uh, um, you know, but it just the, yeah. the
1: snitching thing is looked down on in SEO, like snitching on people snitching. and. And, and generally speaking, snitching on people really doesn't do anything. So right. if, you're, if you're considering reporting spammy stuff to Google, you're better off trying to uh, rank your own site. I will say, too, what Spencer's talking about, picking up drop domains, that definitely can help. But the cleaning company in, that's mentioned in this article that linked from the author's uh, byline link back to her site, they're not ranking in their uh, target market on page one at all. So take that as you will. It doesn't necessarily help a whole ton if that's all you're doing.
2: All right, on to the next story. Um, (laughs) Artificial intelligence and Norwegian gender quotas. What did you reckon of this one, Morton? Someone else should start if anyone (laughs) actually read it. Uh, Spencer, what did you think of this one?
0: I always come back to Boston Dynamics, but this one didn't have to do, you know, those are the, that's company with the dogs that will eat your face and open the door for you. But
2: yeah, such, aside, cuddly creatures, as, such cuddly creatures.
0: Aside from putting this stuff into actual moving devices, which is ultimately the end game here, the point of this article is really simple. If you have the physical capability to measure and track millions and millions and millions and millions of points of data, whether it's visual or auditory or transactional or people moving or GPS. And it all goes into one device written by a bunch of mad scientists paid for by the Department of Defense. Eventually, what is going to happen is that they are going to use humans to try to program that AI into making decisions, which ultimately will be bad because it will be like the movie war games with Matthew Broderick before he became Matthew Broderick today. It will be like the computer either will figure out and then stop itself, go, Whoa, or it will just destroy humans because we can't believe nobody can seriously believe that if you create all this data going into an AI written by somebody in 2019 and beyond, that somehow they're going to have the ability to stop that thing from running away at a million miles an hour and going, Oh, Oh, I was programmed to kill those things that look like they're walking around the streets. Oh, those happen to be humans? Too bad. And that's what's going on right now is that I don't think we even have a fraction of of an understanding of what's actually being done today, let alone what will happen tomorrow. And this is just funny because it always comes down to the same thing. There's always enough money all the time for military stuff. There's never enough money for anything that is beneficial.
2: There's no money for schools or health. You no know,
0: schools, healthcare, you know, that 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 no no but to to create this you know, kind you of can truth,
2: afford, you can never afford that
0: and, and it's really I mean the best way I think of this is it, it literally is just watch Tom Cruise in Minority Report. This is just Minority Report. You're walking down the street. All the signs start going, "Oh, Spence! There he is!" Say, hey, Spence, 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 and then you got to take your retinas out and you got to wear a thing.
2: Come, but I was surprised it just comes from these nice, people. But uh,
0: this, the robot I'm
5: talking to, is saying Spencer is talking about a different article from what you're yes. talking about. He's talking about the. He's talking about the, about
0: the, it's, it's, the, talking about the it's
5: sentient article and the Verge, not the article on the Medium.
3: I am the on the verge AI article. Articles. Yes, but the the rest of us are not. There <laughs> uh, are oh. two AI articles. There are two AI articles. Oh well,
0: yeah,
5: sorry. We're talking
3: about we're talking about the
5: Norwegian no, no no no, let's keep talking about this because they link together.
3: All right. so I, you do I'm this not, one first
5: I,
0: and then the other one. If I had my artificial yeah. intelligence, I would not have made that mistake. I think, uh, yeah.
2: Well, I was confused. It was all, you know, I, I was under. You guys are
0: wondering whether I need
2: coffee. Uh, I these, don't even know These crazy crazy the other Norwegians, These crazy Norwegian people. Oh, you sorry about that. It's right. so, you're going to say something more uh,
5: No, I was just going to say this is, like these two stories link together perfectly. So we should discuss this one
2: first and then the other one afterwards. I'm confused. You confused me. I'm sorry. Chris I
4: got got something to throw in there. Uh, just to set up the conversation and what I think what where Morton's gonna get into it, sometimes there is gender preference. So if you go to a massage parlor, they will say, Do you want a man, woman, or it doesn't matter? Usually. So in some contexts, like that exists. But then when it comes to this article is about um you know, the imbalance of women and men in tech and what AI and stuff. So I just, I, I just kick it over to Morton. I'm looking for when is it acceptable? When is it not acceptable? And crossing the bridge from human making the choice versus uh, AI making the choice in terms of gender preference. I'm, just, I'm looking to Morton for some advice on how to think through this.
3: Well, I, I think I yeah. think both articles point to the basic, you know, garbage in, garbage out concept of of computers. Is that you know the article about Norway is is highlighting the fact that um, there is so little input in a lot of this stuff from women, you know, from uh, people of color, from from any any point of view but one, and that sets you up to make mistakes that can be very damaging. And then when you take that to the level of something like, you know, a Skynet, uh, which is sort of what we're, we're, we're getting with the, with the sentient article, then that the, the, you know, the, the amount of damage that can be done is as, as Spencer pointed out, you know, immense that because of, because all of this is, is created by humans, we put our own flaws in it. Uh, and there has been a tendency to put certain types of, of flaws into the design of, of everything which which relates to uh, my recommendation for for this week um, and <coughs> you know that 's going to if, if, it's, if it continues to be done without input f- from diverse viewpoints then uh, it 's going to be especially damaging uh, to you know, it's, it's going to magnify any current problems of racism, misogyny, uh, et cetera, because it gets built into uh, artificial systems that we somehow think are impartial. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: So AI, or <clears throat> there's no such thing as AI, machine learning um, amplifies bias. That's what it does. It just looks at enormous data sets and then it says, where are the biases? In this data set, and that's normal, be- that's human behavior. Um, that's the actual purpose of machine learning. Um, so, what ends up happening is when we feed machine learning biased data, we get extremely biased output. Um, and by and large, the data that's being fed to machine learning algorithms skews heavily Caucasian, skews heavily male, skews heavily um, towards uh, relatively wealthy skews heavily towards uh, a lot of types of privilege. And what ends up happening because of that is the people that don't fall into the category, male, cisgendered, privileged, white, are disadvantaged by these technologies. So what this article talks about is how in social sciences for the past 50 years, there's been an enormous amount of research on how to make sure that societies are not biased. And what they've discovered is And this is an irrefutable fact in spite of what idiots like Jordan Peterson say. Uh, uh, No, 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 hold on here. So this is extensively researched and proven in fact that in the case of a biased system, the only way to force the biased system to not be biased is to actively impose rules on it. To say that if you have a problem where it's like you have um, boards of directors that are 100% male, because of bias, they will naturally just pick more males to sit on that board of directors. And this is, you can shake your head as much as you want. This is how human brains work. You pick things that look like yourself. So what they they do is, so what they do is they say there has to be some sort of um, enforced requirement for having some form of diversity in this. What ends up happening then is you bring in people who don't fit the standard mold. Those people vote for people that look like them, And as a result, over time, you get to a system where you don't need those rules anymore. Because once you have a balance in the system, the the balance balances itself. And what he's talking about is the so-called Norwegian experiment, which has become a really hot topic in all of these anti-feminism, feminist because they keep saying that it doesn't work, which is hilarious because it works extremely well. So, and all you need to do is like look at the composition of everything in Norway or Sweden or Denmark right now. And you'll see that the gender composition actually works fine because of these rules. So what they did was they said, for any type of steering committee, governance, anything like that, there has to be a gender quota. You cannot have a board of only men. There have to be women on the board as well. And over time, the result of that is now Norway has a female prime minister and has had for the past 10 years. Norway has um, like the defense minister, the, uh, the minister of the economy, and like the two other highest posts are all held by women. The majority of the, political parties in Norway are run by women. Like there's, there's been an enormous shift in gender. And the result of that is not that all of a sudden Norway becomes like a militant feminist country, but there, there is a shift in priorities of what ends up happening. This article talks about how there is a need for that kind of behavior in AI development because there is such an underrepresentation of underrepresented groups, including women, people of color, people who don't conform to standard heteronormative values, uh, all that kind of stuff. And like I said, there are a lot of people for political reasons who are against this. They are typically white men with a lot of money. And they write books about this shit and say that all this research just proves that women don't want to work in technology and all this stuff, which is complete nonsense. It has no relation to reality at all. These people are usually people who have no experience in the field they're talking about. They're expert on some other thing that has nothing to do with it, but they just sell themselves as experts. So you can either choose to look at the people who've been researching this stuff for 50 years, who have published extensive amounts of work on it, and who have proven it through actual implementation in entire countries. Or you can choose to believe the people who are strongly politically motivated to drive an agenda of anti-women, anti-race, anti-everything, and buy their books and then promote their bullshit. But seriously... It's bullshit. That's your, that's, your, that's your opinion. No, that's not my opinion. That is, that is the opinion, opinion of science. You people, can be on the side of science or you can be on the, science, on the, do the do side of people like, who are against it.
2: Uh, uh, I think, uh, I it think back,
3: you can throw at it. Sorry, what was that, I, I said people will choose to believe what they want to believe in the face of all evidence. Do not, you know, this, and this is the this is the political environment in which we are... Operating, you know, no, no evidence shall interfere with my faith. It's like everything is, is, has no,
2: well, created I do, like religion. I do understand where you're coming from. Um, the point I was trying to make uh, to you, Morton, is that um, forcing, um, having quotas um, for various organizations or professions and that, in my opinion, is shocking and undemocratic. No, it's not. No, it's not. Cool.
5: No, well, it's, well, not. It's, well, an, it's a response to a system that is by default is biased against those people. So, you know, this idea of meritocracy that has also been proven to be complete bullshit. The idea that you can have a group of people who are homogenous who will naturally pick the people who are the most skilled when they know that some of those people don't fit into their homogenous well, in the world. No, no, that's no. not how it works at all. So what ends up happening is, and there's so much research on this. You can, you can do a YouTube search on it and don't just put Jordan Peterson in front of that YouTube search. And you'll see there's extensive research <laughs> where a, what they've done is a, they've a, said, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> L- listen to this. You they mind. they did this fantastic My study. They, did this, she's they did this fantastic study a couple of years ago in New York, where they sent a bunch of people to apply for the same job. And all they did was like this was one of those jobs where first you have to submit your resume, and then you have to actually physically go to the interview. And then they had the um hire rank the resumes and the resumes had like fictitious names on them. Right? And what they did was they had like, names that sounded very much like white men. And then they had names that sounded like white women. And then they had names that sounded like black men and black women and all that kind of stuff. Right? And what they found was that the resumes were ranked based on the names of the people. Because when they sent the same exact resumes and they just changed the names of the people, all of a sudden they were ranked differently. So whoever had the most white male name, and then they sent the actual candidates to the interviews, right? And then all of a sudden, the very highly ranked candidates, because they turned out to not be what was expected, got ranked much lower. Even though the performance of the interviews were actually all the same performance. These were actors that were trained to do the exact same things in the same circumstances. This type of research has been done again and again and again and again. And it shows a very strong, Strong bias in human beings towards voting or electing people that look like themselves. This is well documented. And like I said, the reason why this system works, the reason why setting
2: quotas work, is because if you give me the opportunity to say something,
3: that would be nice. Let let Jonathan speak. It it might be. It Uh might be nonsense. Go ahead. Have to let him speak. And it might. And and you know, Jonathan is not actually stupid. So so I know.
2: Some point we want to hear. Never said to me, Sally. I'm going to throw it over to Chris actually. Um, so, Chris, yes. as a white individual who actually employs people in a company in a commercial company, you you know you've got this deep bias, and you just hire people because they look like you, not actually because you think they can do their actual job to the to the requirements that your business actually needs. Uh, you, you, know, you do that all the time, don't you, Chris? I think you're leading the witness
4: there a little bit. But uh, no, I just, I hire people based on the... Hold on, hold on on one second. Let me answer. Hold on. Uh, I I hire people based on what needs to be done and how they do in the interview and how they do in the sample project. It so happens that our company is half female, half male. Uh, White, I have to think about a sec. I mean, we have lots of different uh, ethnic Stuff represented and gender stuff represented in our company. For me personally, it's not a. I don't consciously focus on like an affirmative action style approach. That's just sort of naturally who I am, and I believe in the the importance of a diverse team and that people bring different things from different backgrounds and qualities that make them different. Um, So that yeah, that's what I have to say. But I do think society as a whole sometimes needs a little bit of help with that. That's why the government instituted, instituted desegregation and so on. And uh, not, everybody, there's not everybody is progressive and forward-thinking and open-minded and accepting and uh, valuing differences over uh, sameness. So that's probably the, I'm probably in the minority of just the, that type of mindset, I guess. And then I just wanted to, as, not as a challenge, but as a thought experiment to Jonathan Dinwood, I'd love to see more women on this show.
2: Well, I've tried. I've tried, and if you can, if you can persuade some people from the WordPress community that are females to come on the show, they are most welcome. I have spent hours and hours with outreach trying to get women on this show, and I'm basically given up because they just won't do it.
3: Well, I've, I, I, you know, I've suggested it to to a few people and 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 asked them to get in touch with you. But of course, I think part of the problem is. Um, Women have an enormous burden of extra responsibilities that most men don't. I mean, Spencer is a single dad, so he probably has more of those responsibilities than 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 most men do. But there is a huge amount of extra time that you have to spend on, you know, the children in the household and the spouse and the this and the that, if you are female in you know, in most societies than you do if you're male. And it means there is less free time to do anything.
2: I'm so tempted to respond to that, but I'm not going to. Actually, I'm going to throw it over. <laughs> um, over
1: but Sally just said is correct, though. Women well, have, Women have to do, men just have to go to work. That's it in most cases, and I don't, women have to I, I, I really, I don't and women have to <laughs> go to work and do all the housework, in most cases. Stop well, handing
2: Jonathan a shovel. No, <laughs> He's no, trying desperately I, to not use it. No, no. I say, John, is that I do understand your position, John. the personal relationships I have, um, they've always been pretty equal, where um, I did half of the household chores, <clears throat> So
5: realize that in spite of your personal experience, the vast majority of people in the world have a different experience. That's why this is tricky. Because when you come, this is the problem of empathy. Empathy is not you understanding the experience of other people. It's you imposing your experience on other people. So like the fact that... The fact that we think that this is not a problem and the fact that we're informed about this issue does not mean it's an actual problem, that the problem isn't there. It just means that the problem is out of our view, right? And what, what these articles talk about is how, in spite of everyone trying to do the right thing and in spite of it feeling like it's going in the right direction, it's not actually doing that. And we need to actively, proactively start doing something about it, like introduce methodology that actually works.
2: Right, um I just want to point out you know it was like the um eighteen months that I lived in Norway with my Norwegian girlfriend, and the first week I was in uh, Morley and I opened a door for a female and she started um having a go at me, and my girlfriend starts laughing, and then when with this woman after ten minutes of birating me she stomps off i asked my girlfriend what happened there and she said she she called you everything under the sun as a uh, as an ignorant british bastard and an anti-feminist <laughs> uh, that sounds about right yeah and i thought myself no i was just taught manners by my mother fundamentally uh, what do you reckon spencer
0: I mean, I just don't think any of this is going to matter soon, because what's going to happen is that the gender biases of today, as soon as AI starts taking its own path, we're just humans to it. Like, we're just cannon fodder for the, the dog robots that are going to come and, you know, take us away. So I'm not saying... And the dog not,
3: robots are going to attack women more than men, because... I,
0: I don't I don't know if any that the... I don't know if the gender will come in, but I will say this much. I... I may be contrarian, but and it's not because I'm a single dad mom. It's, I think the world would be a lot better place if women were 100% in charge of government. Because I just feel that history has proven. And there's an old Greek tragedy or, or story, I think it was called Lysistrata, where the men were just fighting and the women were like, hey, we're not giving you any action until you stop fighting. And wars were over. And I think we see all the posturing of males in general. If women ran the world in general, I think it'd be a better place. So if that happens before the dog robots take over, great. If not, I just hope that we just keep moving forward in that direction. Yeah, well,
3: reason just, my sister was a comedy is that, of course, the premise is ridiculous because uh, having a sex strike against men who are not there to have sex with is yeah. not very useful, <laughs>
0: Probably not. In, yeah. in today's world of on-demand.
3: Well, on to the, <laughs> the next story. Um,
2: proposal for WordPress advisory board. What do you reckon, Walton? You'd like to tell us about this one?
5: Uh, this is a, a centralized attempt by the WordPress uh, power hierarchy to um, actually start making some rational decisions around um, Governance, which is a good thing they're they're basically saying that so there was this thing called the um, the hell was it called the there, there was Matt a couple of years the ago created council, i think yeah created these growth councils, which were poorly defined uh, completely uh, untransparent things where some people got together and said things that no one actually knows what happened to um, and then they were dissolved uh around Christmas last year um, and this is kind of Growth Council V2, which is an uh, which is, uh, advisory board for, the WordPress, uh, for WordPress. So idea, the idea is that people who know what's going on in WordPress and in the wider web get together and talk about what, what is happening and what WordPress should do. And then they funnel that information up to Matt and then Matt makes decisions based on it or something like that. So this is an open proposal. And the reason why it's important is because this is the first opportunity the WordPress community has ever had to have input on how its governance operates. So this post is outlining a very sketchy like not sketchy as in questionable but very a sketch of a of a theory of what a growth uh, an advisory board can look like. And it's asking actively the community to have opinions about what that board should look like and how it should operate and who should be on it and everything from like term limits to turnover to everything else. So if you have an opinion about how WordPress should be run and decision-making is done, this would be the place to start voicing those opinions.
2: All right. I um, I did look at it, and then I I actually looked at the structure of Drupal, and um, they just hired a new head of the Drupal World Association. She's a lady. I'm attempting to see if she had come on this and tell us about how Drupal is. It's really organized. interesting. Yeah. Um, am I correct in saying that it's a little bit more better the actual the organisation of Drupal actually, Malton?
5: But huh? What well, that question had no syntactic components that made any sense. What? Uh,
2: all right. Is the
5: uh, it, no is the are you asking if this is better than the Drupal one? No, or uh, that Drupal is better than this? But
2: well, Drupal seems to my initial obviously I don't know a lot about the Drupal community but yeah. um by reading this other article about how it was structured it just seemed a bit better. Yeah,
5: yeah, so WordPress is starting a process now that most open source communities have been doing for the past 5 or 6 years. So the, like the if you look at like the js foundation or the node foundation or the new open open js foundation or any or drupal or whatever they've all done the governance work so they all have things that look better than this right now because they've all done this work wordpress is just starting to do the work that everyone else has done so right now it's a very rough outline of something and yes, you should be going to look at what other people are doing and taking what you think makes sense from them and put it into this project. And there's like a whole project inside, outside the WordPress project called the WordPress Governance Project that kind of tries to, best, tries to do that and has collected an enormous amount of data if you're interested. Um, but if you have an opinion, go to this post and voice your opinion because this is where you can have influence on how WordPress is run moving forward.
2: Right, Joe. On to our picks of the week. Uh, um, so my pick, is a plugin called Login Press, and it helps you. Um, it helps you if you want custom login pages, yeah. and it does a number of other things. Um, I bought it on a special um, offer, um, but um, I've used it on a couple of sites, and it seems really interesting. So go and go to, um, and the link will be in the show notes. Um, but have a look at Login Press. Sally, have you got anything you want to uh, recommend I, to listeners I and viewers?
3: Actually, um, I uh, listened to the uh, 99% Invisible podcast, and they had a, uh, an episode uh, last week called Invisible Women. I put the link in the, uh, in the chat. And it's an interview with a, with a woman who wrote a book of the same title, and it, it talks about all of the areas in which there simply was no data collected about women and how things would affect them. And, and it was assumed that, you know, things designed for men would work perfectly well for women. And in a lot of cases, this is not true as any woman who has ever attempted to uh, <clears throat> keep the seatbelt of a car from uh, a landing in an awkward position has, has, has figured out, um, you know, it, it, it the effects are range from annoying to fatal, um, and it's really uh, you know it's worth list you know listen to the podcast, which will give you a good enough sense of what's going on. I ordered the book and read it, uh, and uh, you know you might or might or might not be inspired to do that, but it's just like all of the things that uh, we don't think about and their potential consequences. Uh, it's it's very interesting.
2: Oh, thanks. Make sure that you can put that in the chat. um, And Spencer, have you got anything you want to share with the listeners and viewers?
0: Yes, an oldie but a goodie in today's world. Uh, I I put a video link there too, but the plugin is a free plugin in the WordPress repository. An odd thing to refer to these days. Admin menu editor essentially accomplishes a pain point that I guarantee...
3: I use it on all clients.
0: Why it's still true, I don't know, but WordPress does not have a native sort capability in the admin dashboard. So as you add all your little tchotchkes, you realize that when you're making videos or helping clients, you look like a mental patient because you're over on the left side going, and then you... And, then you, and, then the, and I did a video to make somebody better the other day, and I realized... I think, I
2: think, I think Martin was saying that about me a few minutes ago.
0: Right. Yeah. I realized, like, why isn't this exactly in WordPress? But the admin menu editor's primary function, to me, it does a lot of stuff. You just, like, in five seconds can literally just alphabetize everything you have in the admin dashboard and even the submenus. So you just click and then go to each one, click, 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 sort it. And now your brain is able to go, oh, I want to use, you know, Lift or LMS, L, you know, cart flows, C, WP Fusion, W.
5: It, it made me look like
3: that's the way you organize it. Uh, just, are you one life.
5: of those people who has like all the icons on your phone sorted by color? So no, like all the home. yellow apps and all the yeah. blue apps. No. Yeah.
0: That's why this is so surprising. I I have a stack of stuff we use, but even with just a basic stack and the accessories, when you start to look at how things randomly drop into the dashboard, every single client's different. And then it's like, you're trying to help somebody. You're like, wait, uh, the orders is a sub menu of WooCommerce, but then the lessons is different. And then the products is here. And then Lifter has this, but then I'm in the course builder. And it's like, for God's sake, if you just alphabetize it, at least you can just go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and go to the thing you need. Big time
2: Try it. Right. Yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, try it. And do it,
0: it in black and white, like my experiment on the iPhone some yeah. months
3: ago. I, I found that my phone has a setting to, uh, to, to switch to black and white after a certain time period.
2: I uh, will get this wrapped up, folks. All right, uh, Chris, uh, you got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers?
4: Yeah, my tip is a plug-in company called Tangible Plugins. Mm-hmm. Uh, they focus on the membership and the learning space. They're getting very close to uh, launching a really advanced Lifter LMS integration with Elementor. It's going to be called Lifter Element, something to keep an eye on. If you're using LearnDash, they have a Beaver, Beaver Builder, LearnDash thing. Like,
3: I'm sorry, but... <laughs> what? Wait,
4: what does what? What? What what? this
3: do? What's Beaver this? Dash? Dash? Build Dash courses with Beaver Builder.
4: Yeah. So it's it basically, this company takes the connection between learning and membership plugins and page builders and just amplifies the the options of what you can do. So that's
2: what it is. I get more on more show, not I have a chat with those? That's yeah,
4: a, I can make an introduction. Yes too,
0: please do. This, yeah. this yeah. is a this is a very interesting choice of product name. I, I'm just gonna double on and leave it at that.
2: Right. Yeah. Very wise. Yeah. Uh, um, Morton. <laughs> Morton. uh Go watch
5: the documentary called The Big Hack. The Big it's Hack. It's on, uh, or The Great Hack, sorry. The Great oh. Hack on, um, on uh, I think it's on Netflix in most yeah. regions. Uh, it'll tell you the story from the inside of uh, the Cambridge Analytica scandal and how Facebook is basically the rottenest thing in the world. Um, and it's a very good documentary. And it's interesting because it kind of the story evolves as the documentary is made. So there are like multiple versions of this documentary in existence because as they, were, they released the documentary and then things changed and then they went back and actually changed the documentary to add more data to it. It's a, it's a very disturbing alarming and eye-opening account of everything that we always talk about, how social media is basically just a machine to program people into doing things. And it tells, like, it lays out proof that, you know, Facebook and Cambridge Analytica is responsible for Brexit, for instance, which is, and it's kind of hard to argue against.
2: No, the attitudes that led to that were much longer and... Yeah, but like the actual... I I can assure you of
5: that. Well, I know, but... the. When they start explaining what they're doing and how they're operating, you're like, "Oh my god, (laughs) this is like a full-on psyops operation." It's not. Yeah, and also, also very important. Tool has finally released their entire album (laughs) archive on streaming services. The final holdout. So now the world can actually listen to Tool on streaming
1: services. Happened today. Yeah. Um, John could
2: you'd like to recommend to the listeners of you? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I have two recommendations, and uh, it's a call back to the second story that was on our um, podcast today, uh, talking about uh, how sanctions affect open source. And one, of the, one, one is an article, "What it's like to be a Dev, a developer in Iran, and it's a, a, a woman developer. And talking about how a lot of things are, uh, can't be found, like they can't uh, get on Stack Overflow, they can't Google stuff and, and projects end up getting scrapped or people end up getting fired. And I, I think it just calls back to the fact that, you know, people in other parts of the world, they're not any different from us. There are just people trying to feed their families and get their job done and go about their day. And that's it. Um, and it just highlights how how some of these things play out in reality. And the second recommendation uh it's you can find this either as a graphic novel or it's also an animated DVD. Uh it's uh a uh, a story called Persepolis uh, by a the author Marjane Satrapi. And uh she was a Iranian person that that um she grew up when the uh, they were making progress. They were making progressive progress, technological pro- progress in Iran. And then the Shah uh, came up and then uh, the Ayatollah came up. And ever since then, it's kind of been in that position. And uh, though she um, went to school in Austria, she's since immigrated to the West, but it's just her personal perspective from her childhood uh, growing up during that time up to now, and it's it's very insightful, you know.
2: All right, all right. thank you. For that. Make sure the links are in the chat. Please. They're in the chat. Oh, thank you. So, thank you, panel. It's been an interesting discussion as always. I just want to say a couple of things to listeners and viewers. If you're a female developer, member of the WordPress community, or anybody else that um, likes to chat, you're most welcome to join the panel uh, as a special guest. If that's of interest to you, please email me. There's a contact form on the WP Tonic website. We can have a quick Zoom, and you'll be most welcome on the panel. And Please consider it. I would love to get more female special guests on the wP tonic round table and you uh, and you 'd be most welcome um, like I say, if you want to support the show give us uh, give us a review on iTunes. It really helps the show and if you want to see the show the earliest, I normally publish these. Um, the quickest on the WP Tonic YouTube channel, which is growing quite rapidly, um, which is very uh, nice to see. We'll be back next week with another group of WordPress and other stories and having an intelligent discussion. Well, excluding me, that is. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful
3: of WordPress medicine twice a week.